G'day and welcome to Aussie Vision. I'm Dale. And g'day, I'm Mike. And welcome to our weekly episode, the first one of 2021, Michael. That is. Happy New Year, Dale. Happy New Year. Do you think 2021 is going to be better than 2020? (laughs) One would hope so. And particularly in a Eurovision setting, I think we're definitely up for a better year because we will have a contest in one form or another. Exactly. That already makes 2021 better. We're going to have a contest. That is the main thing. (laughs) Definitely. All right. Well, we're going to start off this week with some news out of here in Australia. So Mm -hmm. we don't have our song yet or anything like that, but we do have a little bit of news, don't we? We certainly do via Montaigne's Twitch channel. Yes. So make sure you follow it if you haven't already at Actual Montaigne, like she does on Twitter. Um, we're not going to say what it is. Let's hear from Montaigne herself, mm. and we'll chat about it afterwards. Here's Montaigne. So this morning, I had a call with a lady named Diane Warren, and you may not know this, but she's like one of the greatest songwriters or the most successful songwriters our time has ever seen. Um, just an unthinkable number of hits. She wrote, she wrote Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne uh, Rhymes. I don't know if you guys remember that song as fondly as I do. Yeah, and she sort of like sent me a song to consider for Eurovision. And she was like, I have this song for you. Uh, give it a shot. Maybe it's good for Eurovision. Um, and it is a hit. <laughs> like the song is, immediately recognizable as a hit um it's not super my like i don't think it's a lyric i would ever write and i don't know if it's a style that like i identify with and she said like have it and like give the production a shot you know like it might um feel good if you like make the production your own um but the thing is like i've got this other song that i wrote that i fucking love I think it's so fun I think it's like right up my alley in terms of the like style I've been trying to achieve um for all of this year basically um and so yeah I just have to like work on both of them and then see which I prefer for Eurovision and you know work on other songs as well like I'm gonna be doing writing with other people too okay wow so that's Diane Warren (laughs) the legend um When we first heard this, I did see your face get very excited. You were a bit shook. There was. There was a fair degree of detachment from myself and my wig the moment (laughs) Diane Warren's name was mentioned, I can assure you. She is a a legend in the songwriting business and a string of hits, let's be honest, most of them in the 80s, 90s. But hey, Unbreak My Heart is always going to be a bop. Leanne Rhymes' Can't Fight the Moonlight was 2001 (laughs) (laughs) I do find it interesting of all the songs she mentioned and like let's face it some of the Diane Warren songs we know are you know like if you if I could turn back time Mm. uh, I don't want to miss a thing because you loved me Mm. you know and she picks the Leanne Rhymes song to mention oh I found that an odd one well Montaigne is she's younger than us Michael and also she's probably a teenager when that came out and Mm -hmm. that probably meant a lot so fair play yeah yeah absolutely but big uh, big announcement sort of to know that, uh, well, to be honest, an international songwriter may be involved in Australia's entry because generally we've kept it to Australian songwriters so far. Yeah, and I think what that shows is obviously they're going out a lot. Like Montaigne herself said, 
she's written something. Mm-hmm. Di- uh, Diane Warren's obviously there with something. And she even mentions that, look, there's other things going on as well. So yeah. nothing is a sorted thing here. But I think I'm just excited that someone like her is throwing a hat in the ring for an Australian Eurovision entry. So um, that's fantastic. She did do um, It's My Time. I was going to say, not her first rodeo as far as Eurovision. 2009 in Moscow. That's correct. UK. Fifth place when UK took it very seriously that year. I I watched it and it was fantastic. Um, So, yeah, look, she she knows how to write for Eurovision. She hasn't had a major hit really since Paloma Faith back in 2014, really, Mm. let's be honest. Good songs, but not a hit. But... Look, Writing Eurovision is different than, I guess, pop charts. Absolutely. Interesting to hear Montaigne's um, take on it was it sounded like a hit straight away, mm. something you, you'd be very familiar with. So, look, it you know, if we get fifth, I'd kill for fifth place. <laughs> okay, but let's get down to business here. Really, this comes down to two things. Does Montaigne do a song that may not necessarily meet her style but could be great for Eurovision or she go with something that represents her and she could do authentically well? and maybe match her the artist that she is. It's a dilemma. This was the dilemma for me. I think when you ever see an artist do very, very well at Eurovision, it's an authentic artist doing something that, that they do. Mm. That's a winner. Mm. A lot of well-placed songs are the manufactured symphonic songs and etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, look, mm-hmm. it depends. I, I guess if you're just looking for a good result, which we always are here in Australia, <laughs> oh, yep. then a Diane Warren song might tick all the boxes. If you're looking to go for that quirky win, that something that may be different and really stand out, well, maybe the Montaigne style and something that's authentic to her might be a bit more of a path to victory if you're looking to win. It's really tough, isn't it? I like the fact that Montaigne might be looking. If she can make it her own in a way, because let's face it, the last year's song was DNA heavily influenced. Absolutely. But it was still a Montaigne song. And yep. if she can do that with a Diane Warren song, great. Yeah. But I know what you mean. But there's a lot of authentic artists who are also NQ. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Conan, Portugal, yeah. rings yeah. to mind. A lot of others do. And uh, you know what? The biggest thing for Australia, we want to be there on that Saturday night. Exactly. Uh, we've got a 100% record. We don't want to lose it. And But also, we don't want someone to feel... I, I don't want a Montaigne to do a song that doesn't suit her because I think that'll, I think that'll stand out in a bad way. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It needs mm. to sort of work for her. Otherwise, it's it's going to look like a square peg in a round hole. She's oh a very God, I was going to say that same thing. <laughs> she, she's a very kind of unique kind of artist. And, yes. and I got a feeling she she doesn't do acting very well. So if she doesn't like it, it's going to show. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. She needs to be authentic. But Definitely. she was obviously excited by it. And what I liked about it, there's a lot of enthusiasm, mm-hmm. a lot of positivity, about either a really like fun song of Montaigne, which might need to be mainstreamed, <laughs> or a Diane Warren song that may be too mainstream that needs to be alternatives. Quirked up a little. Quirked up a little. Yeah. 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 So great. I mean, I feel a lot better than I was about JC Ultra and the Aliens, I must say. <laughs> really? I was so intrigued. Um, I guess if I do have a concern, it's 2021 and we still don't have a song yet, but it sounds like we've got a few different options on the board. They sound pretty close, I reckon, mm. for sure. But interesting. Good news, though. Really, really like that. All right, wasn't the only news from Eurovision last week? Um, something out of Spain, Michael. Yeah, look, heavy rumour this one. Let's just say it hasn't officially been announced by TVE yet, but it does look like Blas Canto will have a, a sort of national final. We'll have a selection of Blas songs. They just say several songs uh, within conjunction with TVE and Warner Music. And also the uh, quote is the audience will have a fundamental role in choosing the song. 
Because <laughs> sometimes in Spain, the audience doesn't have a fun. Well, we all remember Morella 2017, <laughs> yeah, that debacle. Exactly. But look, I'm excited for a, a song for Blast or whatever it is. If it's three songs, five, two, whatever, exactly. something would be Not great. the first time Spain have done this. They did it in 2012 with Pastora Soler. Uh, and they also did it in 2013 for El Sueño de Morfeo. So, you know, this is not something new to them. I think it would be good. And I think it would get fans enthused. And let's face it, Spanish fans are very enthusiastic so throw them a few bones give them a few options and you know let the feeding frenzy begin exactly they're a passionate bunch i was about to say 2012 oh that's great it shows it works and then you said 2013 <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's about a 50 50 strike right there mm, yeah, well, uh, okay that's, well look that's 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 exciting news no anything on dates around that no, uh, look nothing. at this stage they think it will be somewhere in february yeah. so i can imagine that we're be all case. at the stage of rumoring or dates down the track at the moment <laughs> yes Talking of which, we had a little bit of Out of Ireland, actually, um, in the last week. Uh, a little duo called Jedward, you might remember them. <laughs> vaguely, vaguely yes. remember them. Yeah, though, well, yes. look, iconic, uh, iconic duo. And you know what? Two great songs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very um, prolific on... A fil- Hang on, what's the word? Prolific. Prolific? Yep, sorry. (laughs) They're very prolific on Twitter. And in the last week or so, they said that they had had actually submitted songs to RTE to consider for Eurovision. Oh, wow. Okay. But Leslie Roy's already been announced. <laughs> I thought maybe they might be doing an, a song with the guy from the cause because oh, they God. seem to get <laughs> they seem to get along very well. <laughs> yeah, um, famously they have a bit of a dispute. If you um, don't know, so yeah. Leslie Roy singing a Jedwood song that could be look. Let's put it. There's either two things happening here. Jed, no, three things. Jeb would put in songs and don't realise that Leslie Roy's already been selected. Quite possible. Quite possible. Uh, second is Jeb would put in songs and maybe it would be for Leslie Roy. Yep. Or they put in songs and they haven't decided on the song for Leslie Roy yet. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I like that they're enthusiastic. They yeah. said they'll be willing and able to compete. For Eurovision, any point. I feel like they would go in any country. A bit of an Ali Ryan. <laughs> Chuck some sequins on, they'd do it. But um, what we love to see is artists who embrace a contest well after they've finished with it. And mm. that's fantastic. So um, I would love to see a Leslie Roy <laughs> perform a Jetwood song. I think that would be really quite interesting. As long as she doesn't jump around the stage in the same manner, perhaps. No, it could, true, could true. work. Who knows? It might be a really good song. So who knows? Mm, I don't think we'll be seeing anything from Jetwood. That's yeah, my well, little that's sneaky a, that's suspicion. A, a cross-pollination to keep an eye on. Mm. Right. Well, the big, big event in the last week, Michael, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, ESC 250. It's the top 250 songs counted down by ESC Radio, Organised by songfestival.be, do a great job. Yeah, fantastic job. Is the votes of all fans on their favourite songs of all time. Quite an evening, wasn't it? Certainly was, and works really well here in Australia. Kicks off around about 9.30 or 9 o'clock. Do you already forget? Oh, my God. You know, 9 9 p.m. in the Southern States, 8 p.m. here up in Queensland. That's right. So then we get to, you know, get a little bit of a Eurovision fix before New Year, and then it goes all night until the morning. (laughs) Do you really think that's good timing? I think when you slept (laughs) through it, um, maybe that was great for you for the second bit. But, yeah, look, uh, always a great event. Um, Interesting this year because we had... 2020 songs in it um but it wasn't a 2020 song that took out the title um the winner was and you'll be get your pretends to be shocked gifts going (laughs) here's the winner
Michael. Ninth win in a row for Lorene. Much deserved? Oh, of course. It's still it's still the standard that everyone should be sort of aspiring to get to. Um, look, at this stage, to be honest, in the last nine years, I don't think there's anything that's really come close to it. So, yeah, still at the top of the pile and uh, well and truly deserved. Yeah, look, I think when you have that friend who's like, oh, Eurovision Song's really bad, whatever, you would tend to go and show... Check out Lorene, remember Lorene. They're like, oh, I actually know that's really great. <laughs> um, so even though like I didn't put it in my top 10, but no. if I had to sit there and say what are the top 10 Eurovision songs of all time, of course I'm going to put that in there. Realistically, I think everyone kind of would. And she they? won by a mile, by 3,000 points. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, to second place, which was Fuego this year. Fantastic. Um, jumped up from third place last year. She was second in 2018. Mm-hmm. And Duncan's arcade dropped down to third place, but still did very well to hold the position. Yeah. Um, you know, not having a drop with some winners end up doing. Mm. <clears throat> Toy, who was in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it just goes to show Fuego should have beaten Toy in 2018. Well, this goes to just show the way it goes. It's ESC 250 is a different beast than Eurovision <laughs> it itself, and you can't look too much into it. It is very much so. But we're going to analyse it anyway, aren't we, Michael? <laughs> we certainly what are. What about 2020 songs? Look, interesting one. Obviously at a massive disadvantage not having performed live at the competition, because I'm going to use Fuego as an example. If that was not performed live, there is absolutely no way that's coming second no. as the greatest song ever. So, you know, the live performance can well and truly make and break and can also, you know, put you in the psyche of history. You oh, know, God, if you come yeah. up, uh, Kate Miller-Heike, for example, mm. um, she wouldn't be anywhere near that where she is in she her She wouldn't even be in the 250. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for that performance. So, look, they were always behind the eight ball, but great to see, you know, 20 of the songs make the 250. And, um, you know, the highest one being in the top 10. So that's really, really great. And who is the highest song? Shall we have a listen? I think we should. Oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh gee, no. Oh, that was Diodato with Faramore mm. coming in in eighth place for Faramore. You kind of called that one day. What made you think that that one was going to beat uh, Dati Fre? Uh, trolling for a couple of hours through people's tweets um, <laughs> and noticing that Faramore was coming up in people's. This is a top ten of all time. Mm. It's different than voting for the best song of the year. Yes. So they're very different, and I think people who love Faramore really really loved it and really put in their top 10 and I think you nailed on the head with the live performance his performance in the stadium Verona not only did it really solidify those who loved it like myself originally but it also put in the psyche of those who maybe were like oh it's a good song and then they saw that live and were like wow I'm mm-hmm. in trance it, it it meant so much it was it was fantastic um, so that stays with them while the other ones I mean you can't do a Daddy Flair's uh, song for Kepnan performance that doesn't that doesn't that's not a Eurovision stage or the drama of a Verona didn't give you stadium. the feels <laughs> well no I mean like it's still up there and it's been the, yep. the song of the year in so many mm-hmm. respects but Definitely. Um, there's a reason it came 16th where there's nothing to sneeze at for that for mm. a song 
that wasn't formed on the Eurovision stage. And we've got to remember, Toy didn't even make the top 20 in the year that it won. Yeah. So it does not necessarily represent what would have happened at Eurovision. We will never know. No one can ever sit there and say this song would have won, ever. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I'll agree with your point there. I think people that enjoyed Italy really connected with it and therefore high points. Mm. So where perhaps people with uh, Iceland, oh, yeah, I really like that, lower points if if it's going to make you 10. All right, so let's talk about Australia Made It. Yes. We were the 20th song of the class of 2020 to make it. She made it. That's all that mattered. That's a great result for Montaigne with Don't Break Me. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, I was going to say we had 10, oh, sorry, nine songs in the top 100, which is really good for songs that weren't performed live. Um, Anyone missed out, for example, that you were a little surprised on, Dale, anyone? On the top 100? or 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 in just the top 250 in general? Um, probably not. Uh, maybe Fekka Libby, because I thought that was a bit of a bop that people did kind of love. But mm-hmm. we're talking top 10 of all times. Yeah. Of, of all time. So it's a little bit different. So yeah. any song that made it, I think I'm like, wow, hats off to you. Pretty much so, exactly. Of all the ones that made it, I'm going to say maybe Croatia was a little surprise for me. That uh, came in at 207. I think it had a small but very dedicated fan base. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I would also agree Israel, probably the one that shocked me that didn't get in. Mm. Um, Of the class of 2020, there has to be one of the songs that came in in the 41st place. Austria, <laughs> Vincent Bueno came in forty first of the twenty twenty songs. So. Uh, good. I was thought you meant ESC two fifty. No. I'm like Vincent Bueno did not get anywhere near that. <laughs> yes. Oh so, well. Unfortunate. I mean, not to say that that would have been a result at twenty twenty, but anyway, I am vindicated. <laughs> Thank you. You've learned to love that. Now, look, the Australian songs we much must mention how they went. Sound of Silence, 29, stayed in the 20s, um, as she always does. She's doing fantastic, Dami, holding her legacy. Number 89 for Zero Gravity, dropped down from about 50, but staying in the top 100 a year after is fantastic. Um, We've already said Don't Break Me, 242. Mm -hmm. We Got Love dropped out of the 250, but 309 is still a great result when you're thinking about 1,600-plus songs. We've got to make sure we get it back next year. And Guy Sebastian tonight again, 361. First time he's dropped out. That's since 2015. So that's probably the one that shocked me a bit more. I kind of expect maybe he might hang in there, but um, no. I probably had him hanging in there, but sometimes these songs yo-yo back in. So I think it'll be a campaign for Guy next year. (laughs) Isaiah was a little bit further down the list. We won't say where he came. Um, (laughs) Gina G, honorary Australian, got her best result ever at number 38. Could have been helped by a certain Eurovision again, which Mm. we'll mention soon. Also, Face of Shadow, the Armenian entry from 2015. Oh, I know you're a big fan of that, aren't oh, you, Dan? Oh, I can't stand it. But there was an Australian in there, so we'll mention it. 338, well done, Australia. And 383rd for Where I Am from Anya Neeson, who's, oh. who represented Denmark. So some great results there for the Australian entries. Very good. Very related. Good. A bit of a shame that we lost Guy and uh, Jess, mm. but you know, as the songs go on, they do tend to drop down the list a little bit. If you didn't vote for them, we blame you. <laughs> so you were going to mention what do you think anything that maybe influenced the countdown this year at all? Well, other than the fact that 2020 songs didn't um, get to perform live, it's Eurovision again impact. Um, they did a lot of the older um, Eurovision years that we've spoken about before, and a lot of those songs really jumped up. There was someone who was doing the average um, positions. They went up and down, and they all, on average, went up something like 20 points on average overall. But some big rises. Not necessarily a lot of new songs in there, but the songs that were in the 250 jumped up. And Sufi, the Turkish song, mm. that 
for some reason, Eurovision again we're obsessed with. It jumped like from a thousand plus into the two fifty. I'm so pleased for them. I don't understand why they like it, but mm. you know what? Great. It was a good vindication of people enjoying old Eurovision songs again, and the more in the two fifty, the better, and yeah. doing well in there as well. Definitely. I think the more exposure to the older contests, the more this kind of new fandom that we are, uh, we'll learn about what's happening, uh, what's happened in the past. I think it was terrific. One thing I love about 250 is just the mix of genres you get. You know, it can be anything, you know, it can be a song from the 70s, it can be a song from last year, it can be a, you know, Scar song, it can be a ballad, it can be, you know, it's just such a mixed bag. I love it. You go from an Israeli bop to a Portuguese ballad, (laughs) definitely, and then something Greek from the 90s, which is pretty much the entire night (laughs) such a great great mix of of music and a wonderful way for the community to come together Mm. um because obviously we didn't have a contest so it's a really nice way to finish off what was a a, a struggle for everyone and will continue to be in 2021 we know everyone's in lockdown at the moment um in a lot of countries and we're facing COVID again here in australia with another outbreak but we'll learn to live with it should be a better year overall definitely definitely all right. Well, the only thing we've got to talk about for the week ahead is Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their song for Eden Eleni, and we've spoken about that on the podcast before. There are three songs that are going to go through to the final vote. That's right. Um, now, they're being leaked, mm-hmm. potentially a bit rumory, <laughs> so we won't... We will let's say what they are. Um, <laughs> Set Me Free, Ooh La La, and La La Love. Now, that's what they're saying that is. We'll get the result by the time you listen to this podcast or the next 12 hours. Let's see if the rumors are true. But if they are, they're good songs. They are. Um, happy with that? Bring in the bops. Set yeah. Me Free was I a did, great I, one. I didn't think she was going to do one of the ballads. Oh, of course cool she wasn't. <laughs> but, I mean, Justice for Shoulders, can I just oh, say. No, Justice for Shoulders. It's For me, it's ooh la la the whole way. The right. whole way. But it'd be nice if we get full, proper versions of them and we can see where they, um, what the songs are and we'll talk about it next week. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks very much for joining us. A quick one this week. It is. We'll see how much content we've got next week. (laughs) We'll make up some rumors. (laughs) We'll include some alien references or something. We'll We'll do something. It'll be all good. All All right. Well, happy new year, everybody. Yeah. Feliz año nuevo. All right. Catch you later. Thanks, guys.